Mr. Sheffield. Miss uh, Fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, the podcast about the nanny, the hit series from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. We are on season four, episode seven, The Taxman Cometh. And I am Shandi Pasquale here with... Victoria Sheffield. That's right. This episode was directed by Dorothy Lyman, and it was written by Dan and Jay Amernick. I don't, how, how I don't, we, they seem new names to me. I don't recall them. Yeah, there, we did talk about a couple, we were like, are they couple, a couple? Are they brothers? Are they? Oh, maybe this well, was maybe, those it, guys. Could this be these? It could be. They've only done the nanny, so. Man, we, we had, we had a listener make us this incredible chart about like who wrote everything. We, we should, should have checked it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, also shout out to Molly. Incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Um, um, but oh, also I was going to say yeah. the, um, the title, the taxman comment is based on a Eugene O'Neill play called the Nightman cometh, which I don't know. I think anything it's the Iceman, about. Iceman cometh. Oh my God. You're so right. It's the Iceman cometh. The, the Nightman Iceman. is. It's always sunny and felt I just, I just did like a just which, a mental slip. Which it's is the, also based on the Iceman coming. Yes, yes, it's the Iceman coming. There's a very, very hilarious um, uh, musical episode of It's Always Sunny called the Nightman Cometh, and I was going to say uh, the Taxman Cometh, which is the name of this episode. Also, the name of a murder she wrote and Law and Order episode. I have a couple of things to say about similarities. Once again, you go to IMDb and it's just like, I, I feel like the people that comment on IMDb hate the things they're commenting on because like every note for this episode was like, this title is stolen from this thing and this thing. And it's like, the, yes. the plot is very similar to this one episode of Ellen that aired. And it's like, I, <laughs> I don't know, guys. I, it seems to me like this is like a very by the numbers sitcom plot, like at least the IRS element of it. It feels like, um, and you know, even the the celebrity cameo part of it. It's like, yeah, a celebrity cameo involving someone has to watch the said celebrity's pet, and like something happens. Like, I don't know. None of these things feel like they're like, you know, original brilliant ideas stolen by Fran Drescher. <laughs> it's. It. I feel like Elon Musk is uh, does all the comments. All the comments. <laughs> Just I have TV. That's what it feels like. <laughs> well, um, also yeah. for this episode, I wrote this is a bright and heavy episode, and I liked it. Me too. Like I feel like they are they're starting to learn that they I mean, I think they've always known it, but they don't always know how to use him. But like they have a good like heavy hitter in my that note, kid. My note for Brighton on this episode was he's Donald Trump Jr. now. <laughs> he he is, but he's not. <laughs> he's like Trump Jr. Like he's like No, no. <laughs> Don't you know say that about Brighton. All right, fair. All um, right, so this is the episode. Go ahead. You want to sum it up? Uh, yeah. Well, this is the. So several things happen. Fran is tasked with watching Jay Leno's dog, and she also gets audited by the IRS. Um, yes. And so again, I, our younger 
listeners, I'm sure they might not know what the IRS is. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's true, actually. Let's Um, start with audits. Well, (laughs) but I was going to say, I'm sure they've heard the name Jay Leno, just like we grew up having heard the name Johnny Carson. But they may have lived in a world where like he wasn't really on TV when they were watching TV. Um, But basically, Jay Leno. You don't think that all of our young listeners watch Jay Leno's Garage on CNBC? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, you're right. You're right. (laughs) They definitely know. Well, basically, Jay Leno had The Tonight Show for many years before Jimmy Fallon. And before, uh, before Jay Leno had it, the iconic Johnny Carson had the show for like 30 years. And, you know, this is back in the days before a million streaming networks. So there's just a few main TV channels that everybody watched. So it's like when you had The Tonight Show, you had like millions of viewers and you had like a lot of cultural capital. Like you were, you were just, you were huge and you were in like so many people's living rooms in their TVs every single night. I mean, we, we can like roughly quantify it. It's like you had to figure <clears throat> in like the Carson days, the Tonight Show might get, I don't know, 10 million viewers. And then in the Leno days, it was probably getting like three or five million viewers. And now like the Fallon Tonight Show probably gets about 1.5, maybe. I bet Leno was getting way more than that. In the, I bet Leno was getting Carson numbers. Like there used to be controversy and like drama over who was going to get the Tonight Show next. But Jay Leno sure. got it from Carson. And so he was a really big deal when this episode um aired he was like yeah. would have been like you know a big guest star um sean and i am sure will later get into why as comedy nerds we dislike jay leno but you that's, about it. We, we'll get into it we'll get into um, it so um, just to quickly uh you're you were correct so on average the, he got about leno got about eight to nine million viewers on average mm-hmm. um at his highest which was after the cheers finale in 1993 he got 22 million viewers. oh my god Oh my god. Um and by oh contrast, god. Jimmy Kimmel Live uh gets 1.6. Wow. <laughs> so there's just so there's just so much to watch. Like most people don't even even yeah. watch live TV anymore. But anyway, this episode starts. Fran and the girls are in the living room. <laughs> this speaking of objectification, like we were talking about earlier, I went, whoa, Maggie's boobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh just because she's wearing a top that is like quite tight, and this actress is now kind of like you know, an adult, at least, uh, she's probably at least 18 at this point. But so then I wouldn't have noticed. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) anyway, she's a child. She, um, they're all hanging out. And then Mr. Sheffield and Brighton walk in from career day at Brighton school. And Mr. Sheffield, he's in like such a good mood. You know, he like, is like, ah, yes, you know, basically thinking that everyone at Brighton school, like thought he was amazing and super impressive. But then he realizes that Brighton doesn't really care that much and yeah. is clearly kind of like, yeah, dad, you do boring stuff. Because well, it, I think the scene has a, a moment where um, <laughs> Mr. Sheffield goes, here's that Pearl Bailey CD you wanted. And like Brighton clearly was like, I don't want this. Like you're so out of touch, dad. Well, he says um, I wanted Pearl Jam. So yeah. it, it's like the, neither one of them really knows the other one that well. Like I don't think Brighton – cares about his dad's world and his dad clearly puts zero effort into listening or paying any real attention to his son yeah. you know <laughs> yeah and then Cece comes in and she announces that 
Jay Leno loved their musical number and that they're super close to getting it booked as an act on The Tonight Show. And and then she also says that Chester and Jay Leno's dog, Harley, bonded and that she has offered to let Harley stay at the mansion because his hotel won't allow dogs because Leno films in L.A. So he was clearly in town in New York. Um, And so that like sets up basically everything that's going to happen this episode in terms of like plot. Well, um, also, no, that sets up that plot. It doesn't the Oh, IRS wait, wait. Yes, plot. yes, yes. You're right. You're right. But sorry, that, that's the setup of the episode, I should say. This um, was sort of a scattershot episode, I, I felt, yeah. a little and bit with this, like the plots. Remind but me, was this the, the scene where um, Cece comes in holding like a fur? She comes in holding a hat and yes. she thinks she's holding Chester. <laughs> and then she realizes she left Chester in the car <laughs> in the cab and she goes, Oh my God, do you realize I could have left this hat? <laughs> yes. Basically, like, do you know what this means? <laughs> yeah. I, I could have left this hat in the car. <laughs> and then, and then the cab driver knocks on the door with the dog and he's like, what is this a tip? And then he gives the dog and then he leaves. And I just thought it was really funny. Cause it made me go like, wait, did she not tip him? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> it's so rude. Um, well, and so yeah. in the next scene, we're in Mr. Sheffield's office. It's Fran and Mr. Sheffield. And Jay Leno arrives with his dog, Harley. And I just wrote, what an ugly dog that was. Also, I didn't think Jay sold nervous energy very well. And then maybe it's me projecting too much of the Jay Leno I know now of like, he's a very confident guy. But like him being kind of like, uh, okay, uh, like I didn't, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't work for me. Um, was he nervous? Was he projecting nerves? Yeah, he was projecting like 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 kind of nervous, nebbishy guy. And it's like you're 17 feet tall on the host of the Tonight Show. Stop it. Like- well, he also <laughs> rode in clearly on a motorcycle it, because Jay, Jay Leno <laughs> also famously loves cars. And that's why his dog is named Harley. Yes, and he has like you know in real life, I, I think it's a collection worth like 300 million dollars or something crazy. Um, yeah. Maybe even more. Um, yeah. But so, but it's so a lot of he, money that could feed a lot of people, but he has a bunch of cars in a garage somewhere. Well, I do in my research, Great. Jay Leno does a lot of charity work, but it does not make me like his comedy. <laughs> um, but so Frigo, because he brings a dog in because Fran has agreed to watch the dog this week since you know, since CC volunteered the hey, mansion. Hey, you don't like jaywalking? Uh, me and Mavis were uh, walking the other day. <laughs> I said to my wife, Mavis, I said, Mavis. Well, and then while they're in the office, there's this super funny meta bit where both Fran and Leno plug their real life books that have just said it come out because she's like, she holds up his book, like Jay Leno's book that he had written. And she goes, oh, could you sign this for me? And then he's like, oh, of course. And then she's like, I love that you don't go around hawking it left and right like other celebrities. And he goes, I hate that. And as he says it, he's literally like holding it up to the screen. Yeah, like turning the cover out. Yeah. And then she holds up, Fran Fine holds up Fran Drescher's real life memoir. um, Enter called It's called Enter Whining. And she goes, have you read this one? It also just came out on audiobook. (laughs) Um, And it was really funny because I was like, well, this is interesting. So it's like Fran Drescher exists in the world of Fran Fine. <laughs> yes, yes. That has been firmly established at, uh-huh. as canon now. Fran Drescher does exist. She's not on the nanny, presumably. Yeah. Or She's is just, she? Because that would be too weird, right? Like if if the nanny, the show, existed in the world of the nanny 
the nanny. Uh-huh. And Fran Fine was a fan of Fran Drescher and also watched the nanny about Fran Drescher playing a woman named Fran Fine. I I feel That's like too meta, right? Yeah, I and I feel like Fran plays herself in later episodes. She does. So she does. Maybe we'll I'm maybe we'll get some answers. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners who have like already, you know, binged through the whole rewatch know and are screaming at us, but we well, still are I mean, ignorant listen, in ignorant bliss. Listen, yeah. I Listen, we were very clear when we started this. This was a show we casually watched as like young people and then forgot about it. And then we're like, oh, we should do a podcast about this and rewatch it. So like, yeah, we're well, – I have no I, – I know certain things that I remember and then a lot that I don't. So, so it's, it's, a, it's an adventure. It's just like – um, It's an adventure. It's like 50 yes. first dates. It's an audio adventure. I'm going to um, reclassify us uh, our podcast listing as an audio adventure. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then the next scene establishes that IRS B-plot that we talked about because Niles comes into the kitchen where, where Fran and Yetta are feeding the dog spaghetti. <laughs> Made me laugh a lot. And he gives her a letter from the IRS. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm being audited. And she's like, oh, I got to She's like, how could my accountant let this happen? And then she turns to Brighton and she goes, how could you let this happen? And that made me laugh out loud that she's just having Brighton do her taxes. Um, oh, then- oh you're talking about, you know, the uh, the IRS <laughs> said today, anyone with a federal refund coming on their 20, uh, 2001 taxes will lose if they, if they don't pick up by February, uh, by April 15th. That's true. Uh, if it if it is more than three years, they'll just keep it. Hey, how come it doesn't work that way with back taxes? Ah, right? And there you go, people. Why I dislike Jay Leno? Sean could make up his bit in ten seconds. Today, the IRS gave some guidelines on how to avoid getting audited. Number one: don't list deductions that will raise a red flag. And number two: make sure you file on time. And number three. Don't make any stupid anti-war speeches at the Academy Awards. Oh, Mavis. Oh. <laughs> that was an actual one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, okay, right. I got one more and then I'll, I'll be done. <laughs> oh, the, the IRS says, uh, oh, Mavis, uh, listen to this. In my mind, he's always talking to his wife, Mavis. <laughs> oh, Mavis, listen. The IRS says you can now deduct the weight loss plans off your taxes. You can write it off because the government has officially declared obesity a disease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh? <laughs> it's a disease you can deduct medical expenses. Mm-hmm. Yep. That shows what a difference an administration can make. See, under Bush, obesity is a disease. Under Clinton, it was just sexy. <laughs> <laughs> is that Christ. an actual Leno joke? That's an actual Leno joke. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, okay. So we find out France getting audited. Then Mr. Sheffield walks in. And he's like now eagerly kind of trying to connect with Brighton. So he's like, Brighton, like, I thought you could uh, teach me how to rollerblade today, you know, and then we could, we could do this and this. And like, he's like listing all the places they can rollerblade to. <laughs> and Brighton goes, yeah. And then we can rollerblade to the park so I can drown myself in the pond. <laughs> I like that line. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and then he's like, and then he's like, oh, you know, uh, actually, sorry, dad. I just, it's just, I'm actually already meeting friends. And he's clearly making that up just to weasel out of getting, yeah. just to weasel out of doing something with his dad. And Fran can tell. So she kind of tries to like help him out. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah. He's, 
going to Arnold's to to meet uh, Ralphie and Patsy, <laughs> which is which are just characters on Happy Days, yeah. <laughs> which I really loved. Um, it's such a genius way to trick uh, someone who wasn't raised on American TV. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um, and so, you know, Brighton leaves and Mr. Sheffield's clearly bummed and like worried that this isn't just a phase. Um, and this, this line made me laugh so hard. Uh, be, so, so sorry, Brighton doesn't leave. Mr. Sheffield leaves disappointed. Yeah. Brighton stays and Fran's like, you know, I just feel so bad for your father. You know, shame on you for for making me lie to him like that. And then Brighton goes, it's not my fault. We have nothing in common. We're not even from the same country. Which yes. <laughs> is just like <laughs> such a funny. It's just, it just made me laugh because it makes it seem like your father, like your parent is just like such I a stranger it. to you. Like it. that's one of the things you list when you're like, why we have nothing in common. That's one of my favorite lines of the episode. We're not even yeah. from the same country. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good line. <laughs> um and then we have this montage to um that song that's like people let me tell you about yeah, my do you know what that song is i mean i've heard the song is there another is there like a story so, behind it yeah so it's from a tv show the courtship of eddie's father <laughs> and i only know this because my mom used to sing this song all the time to me i had no idea it was from you see here's the thing i first heard this song on an episode of Third Rock from the Sun. Sure. Which I, one of my favorite episodes where Joseph Gordon Levitt guest stars mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he plays a guy in uh, Topher Grace. I can't remember his name. Eric, yeah. He, he's like Eric's new friend. And then it yep. turns out his new friend like is gay and tries to kiss him. And it was actually this like very progressive episode, but there's they a really great montage where they're becoming friends to this song. Yeah, well, that song is referencing Courtship of Eddie's Father, which was a 63 uh, sitcom that starred a young Bill Bixby who would go on to play um, the Incredible Hulk in like the 70s Incredible Hulk show. Was this song, was it like a theme this song? This was the theme song. This was the opening theme song, was Best Friend by Harry N- uh, Nilsson. Ah, I think yeah. we've even referenced this show. Well, let me tell that's, you. It's such a catch. Friend. I was yeah, going to say it's, it's such catchy. a bop, but it's not a bop. Well, every just, time that I would watch this, The Incredible Hulk, my mom would come into the room and go, oh, it's Tom from Courtship and his father. And then she'd go, people, let me tell you about my best friend. <laughs> that's like what? a core memory in my brain. <laughs> also, I feel like your impression of your mom is like Jay Leno, just a little higher. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's Marge Simpson without the gruff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, so then we go into this montage because now Brighton is actually kind of trying to like, you know, spend time with his spend dad. time with his, yeah. Mr. Sheffield. He's feeling kind of bad, so it's just like this kind of funny visual thing where it's like you know they're they're tossing a football and then you know Brighton clearly gets hit in the eye. They're at yeah. the opera. Brighton falls asleep. They're in like a sonnet. You know the the men's club and this like gross old man gets naked and sits like way too close. To so this, that last one was very relatable to me. That was, <laughs> that was so relatable. My grandfather, uh, when I was like, uh, probably like 13, 14 was like, was like, you got to start exercising, like come play racquetball with me. So I would go to like this gym and play racquetball with my grandfather and his friends. And then he would be like, all right, we got to shower up. And it was always a disconcerting experience for me. It was just like 50, like (laughs) 65-year-old men, like butt-ass naked in a shower, like, all right, come on, you got to shower up. And I'd be like, no, I'm good. We're like 
five minutes from the house. Like, I don't know if it's if it, like. Do you think that people just get more comfortable doing that the older they get? No, because I'm like, getting older and I'm not any more comfortable doing it. Yeah, it's just like a generation. No, thing. I'm not anymore. I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to get naked in the sauna with a bunch <laughs> of strangers. No, I wear like a bathing suit in the sauna. Like, <gasps> if I go in the steam room, I, I put a bathing suit on, like a. I mean, that's also person. sanitary. Yeah, I, exactly. It's that too. Even as a kid, I would like, he'd be like, all right, we're going to go, let's go Schwitz. And I'd be like, okay. And like everyone would walk in naked and sit on the benches. And I would like wrap my towel around me and gingerly sit down and be like, this is gross. <laughs> hey guys, I hate this. So then we have that montage. Uh, let me tell you about my best friend. And we, the next scene is in the mansion in the middle of the day. The doorbell rings. And it is an IRS auditor there to interview Fran. Okay, Sean. when this happened, I oh. forgot the IRS thing was happening. And I literally wrote down, this episode has so many plots. Oh, well, I was going to say, Sean, do you know who this is? The guy who plays the tax auditor. Wasn't that Monty Hall? No, no, no. Oh. I mean, the one who came to oh, the Monty Hall. The- the guy who comes to the house? Yeah, uh-huh. Dana Gould. Yeah, 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 Dana yeah, Gould. yeah, yeah, Dana Gould. Yeah, this episode had a bunch of people in it. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, though, um, I, I bet you – You guys might know Dana Gould from The Simpsons. They they may yeah they may or they may he's be. he's a writer uh, he was and and also an actor on The Simpsons also most recently I think is uh, the show Stand Against Evil which was on IFC it was a great show if you never saw it so the yes the IRS auditor comes in it's Dana Gold and um, Gould ran is her strategy throughout this um, scene is to try to charm this guy. So she's wearing like a sexy dress. She's plying him with food and yeah. nice drinks. And um, at one point, oh, cause Brighton's there and Brighton's so anxious that like, he's somehow going to be legally implicated because he was definitely doing um, a lot of shady stuff on Fran's taxes. Mm-hmm. But Fran goes, excuse me, I have to go check on my chinchillas. And Brighton's like, what chinchillas? And she's like, the ones we breed at a considerable loss, <laughs> which, which made me laugh that of all the fake businesses Fran could have created, she made a fake chinchilla breeding business. <laughs> um, and then the next scene is a few days later. Fran's plan and ploy with this auditor did not work. She gets a bill from the IRS. It's $5,000 in back taxes. Um, and there's kind of this like little moment in this episode too, where, um, Gracie comes running in and she's like, Fran, I think you should see what Chester and Harley are doing on the dining room floor. And and Fran's like, oh, just pick it up. How big could it be? Because <laughs> she clearly <laughs> thinks that one of these two <laughs> tiny dogs is like pooped on the floor. Yeah. But um, then Gracie's like, no, they're doing what we saw those animals do at the zoo or like those cheetahs do at the zoo. And then um, Fran realizes they're uh, having sex. <laughs> so she, yes. she, she breaks it up. <laughs> and then we continue on with the back taxes issue where she's like she's literally like she goes niles i don't have five thousand dollars the government's gonna do to me what chester just did to harley (laughs) 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 and then mr sheville comes in and he's like oh you know we'll file an appeal um and you know this will be okay and i'm just like mr sheville just like give her some of that five thousand dollars it's nothing to you okay i 
I had, I was so mad about that. First of all, just give her the file. He filed an appeal. <laughs> well, especially and, then, and then he gets directly involved and it's like, isn't his time worth more than this? Like, wouldn't it be worth more for him to just pay the $5,000 and not have to spend all this time doing this? Like, Dude. it's insane. Also, just for like, just to quantify that amount, like I paid basically that much in taxes last year. So it's like it's not like this well, is like I, like I figured out how to afford like the fucking you know almost five thousand dollars that I owed the IRS because my, well what would five thousand dollars have been in like nineteen ninety seven probably would have been closer to twenty million dollars <laughs> well either way it's funny you said that because my exact notice Mr Shabville your time is worth more than this but um so okay um, ready oh yeah. In 1997, uh, $5,000 would have been worth uh, $9,000 today. That's, pre- that's a pretty penny. That's a mm-hmm. pretty penny of unexpected unexpected money to pay. That's true. All right. Um, well, that's so crazy. then, yeah, we just don't have no. money coming out of our butts in, like in, Sean and Paris. Inflation. No, I, are you kidding? It, I, I it destroyed my savings. <laughs> I'm destitute. <laughs> I'm destitute. Help me. Um, <laughs> Please subscribe so, to the channel if you guys haven't already. Anchor.com. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so then because they're going to file this appeal, the next scene um, is at Sylvia's apartment because they I go like to – the apartment to you know, get some of Fran's old financial documents. Yes. And when they get there, Sylvia is watching an old tape of her and Morty on let's make a deal. Yes. Um, and Morty is hilariously dressed. Cause you used to have to, you used to, to get on, let's make a deal. Everyone would dress up in costumes and then try to get picked for the craziest costume from the audience. And she's dressed as princess Leia and Morty hilariously is dressed in a full Darth Vader costume. So we uh-huh. still have not seen Morty. Yes, it's yes. Pretty great. Yeah. And the thing that's really funny is um in the clip they have won a trip to Paris and then they're like you can keep that trip to Paris or you can go for what's in the box. And they go for what's in the box and then Fran like basically turns off the TV and it's like, "Ma, like you got to stop rewatching this old video of you." you traded a trip to Paris for an ostrich. Like, and she's like, it's never going to change. And then Sylvia goes, it was the most delicious stew we ever had. So they, they killed the ostrich and ate it. Which just killed me. Um, <laughs> what well, a funny side bit. But so, you know, they, uh, they get all of the documents they need. And then, so the next scene, it's Fran, Mr. Sheffield and Brighton, which I loved at the IRS office to file the appeal. Um, and the appeals officer is played by Rich Little, who um, is a very famous comedian and impersonator. Uh, I would say he's not very famous to my or to our generation, but our parents, I'm sure, you know, grew up with Rich Little. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had to Google him. Like it was the kind of thing where, you know, you could tell this was a cameo and this mm-hmm. was a big get, but I didn't recognize him. I remember Rich Little from – being a comedy nerd and like he was referenced on um futurama uh once and i think that probably sent me down a, a thing he was also on love boat which I, I watched as like reruns of as a kid um when i was sick mm-hmm. home from school so i remember him from from cameos on love boat he was like an impressionist guy you know yeah no i mean yeah and he, that was his whole deal he did like you know 
great impressions and he did them well on the i mean his george burns was spot on yeah well so <clears throat> then after literally hours in this office like going over documents back yes. and forth again where i'm like mr Chevy, your time's definitely worth more than this so much more than this um, it's crazy and it seems like all hope is lost it's insane behavior <laughs> really but you, you know what i'll say though you know how they're like well, clearly this isn't true of Mr. Sheffield because he was born rich. You know how they say that sometimes like the wealthiest people are the ones that will be like, oh, no, uh, we're, we're going to take the carpool lane to like uh, or no, like the, the ones who are like uh, very, very concerned with like, you know, well, we're going to go here because it's a dollar less, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, so maybe he's one of those people. Um, maybe. But, so. But after hours in there, Mr. Sheffield whispers he has one more trick up his sleeve. Um, and that's when Jay Leno comes in. And the thing is, earlier in this episode, uh, we the like literally earlier in the scene, I should say, um, the appeals officer comes in and he's doing all these impressions. And they're all laughing and pretending to love it because they know that like he has the power to make or break their case or their appeal. <laughs> but so, you know, Mr. Sheffield has called in Jay Leno surreptitiously to clearly charm this guy who like, you know, loves showbiz. So um, <laughs> he, so Jay Leno comes in and uh, he ends up offering the appeals officer like a potential spot on the tonight show, <laughs> uh, basically because I think I forget exactly how it goes down, but the appeals guy gets annoyed and says like, have you ever been audited to Jay Leno? And then he's like, uh, no, but let's talk about it over coffee. You're so talented. Maybe there's a spot for you at the show or something like that. So it basically like the, the guy gets so excited to go to coffee with Jay Leno that he just turns to Fran and Mr. Sheffield <laughs> and he's like, okay, you're fine. Like you can go. Uh, and all is forgiven case dismissed. Yep. Um, and then the button of this episode is, uh, we find out that Jay Leno's dog got pregnant. And so <laughs> Leno canceled, he was so mad that he canceled Mr. Sheffield's like show, uh, on the tonight show. I'm and not, then we I'm not sure why the guy in the IRS office had a gavel. Cause I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> and that made me laugh. I like that. He had all of a sudden he slammed a gavel and he goes, case dismissed. And I was like, what is he a judge now? <laughs> yeah. And also this episode ended with, I didn't like that like tickling moment. A where, very uncomfortable tickling moment. Yeah, very out of place on this show. I don't I like to see adults pretend to be tickled. <laughs> I think they were trying to like basically Fran tickles Mr. Sheffield and that's Ugh. how we end it. I think Ugh. they're just trying to really. Just hearing you say it grosses me out. I Ugh. know. I know. I didn't like watching it. And I just think, you know, they're trying to continue to find ways to make these two people really close uh, yeah. And like comfortable with each other, You're but struggling to find ways to like make them connected without connecting them. Yeah, I think that's what it felt like. We it was should like, end no. this episode tickling each other. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, we both talked about this. We both hate being tickled. Who who likes being tickled? I should say freaks. Should Not to king shame, but you know. Oh God, I hate if it you're so into being tickled, you freaky. And you know what? If you get hurt because someone accidentally kicks or punches you while you're tickling them like you have it coming and that's I'm, on you yeah i'm not that's sorry on you. um so that was the episode um we you know it was it was it was definitely entertaining it was entertaining, um, it was but it was a little all over the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. I enjoy I, again i love the brightness of Fred's accountant i like that i you know even though 
Jay Little's not my favorite. I it was fun that he was on. It was fun that Rich Little was on. It was a fun yes. app. Yep. All right, let's get into segments and break it down. Segments. And now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. favorite lines mm-hmm. um i feel like you said all of the ones that i had written down oh. but my favorite of the whole show was uh the the line about uh we have oh, nothing oh. in common <laughs> we have nothing in common we're not even from the same country i really love that i also liked what a uh, i liked fran talking about the dog and calling her a miscape <laughs> it's just like ugly <laughs> I mean, we're probably going to get into that in Yiddish, but I just thought that line was like, like cracked me up. Like, <laughs> um, I didn't, okay, I could, uh, we'll get into it because I couldn't figure out what she said. Well, one of my favorite lines that we didn't mention was um, Fran goes, I'm being audited. Why me? And then Niles goes, Could it be because you claimed an adopted foreign child named Hagen does? <laughs> <laughs> um, I did love the, the, then we can stop by the duck pond and I can drown myself. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, there was – when Fran and Mr. Sheffield were going through her old tax documents that are literally sorted in purses, she pulls out an old – she goes, oh, a Rolo. And she goes, it's white. And then she pops it in her mouth. She goes, still good. And <laughs> that is funny because the fact that like Rolos do weirdly turn white. <laughs> yeah. Just a funny observation. Yeah. Um, yeah and then we we said a lot of the, the ones throughout that I loved. Um, and then – for Yiddish, I I literally could not figure out what what um Tran said. It sounded like Mishpokia to Mishkite. me. She said Mishkite. Oh, okay. So I didn't Google it then because I, I was like I was gonna ask you like did you? Yeah, Mishkite. It means let's see if I can find like an actual. Yeah, Mishkite. Yeah. Here we go. Mishkite. M I E S K E I T. An ugly person, usually referring to an ugly girl or woman. Yiddish slang. <laughs> the lady could stop a plane. She's so fucking ugly. She's a Mishkite. Wow. As we yeah. say, so many negative descriptors in Yiddish. Yes. <laughs> Very yes. few positive. But yeah, so that that was the word that I clocked. Uh, oh, okay. That makes I've so heard that sense. word used in my house. <laughs> oh. Well, because Fran looks at Jay Leno's dog and says, like, what a Mishkite. Yeah. Who thinks she has a rich father? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, that makes so much more sense to me. I know. Um, we also heard the word schmuck, which we get a lot. Schmuck. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, so we did the Yiddish. Okay. Okay. For uh, trivia, um, I just wanted to put a little spotlight on Fran Drescher's book, Enter Whining. It is her first of two memoirs. Um, it was published in 1995, and it's it's really like a collection of essays about her childhood and like her rise in show business. Um, and one thing that I think is kind of interesting about Enter Whining is if you read the second book she wrote, um, Cancer Schmancer, written like uh, much many years later, there's a lot going on that she talks about in Cancer Schmancer or that was going on during this time that she really doesn't get into in um, Enter Whining. Like, that makes sense. I think Cancer Schmancer is like a more kind of like vulnerable um, 
book, whereas Enter Winding's more like a collection of like entertaining, you know, essays where it's not necessarily getting into the like reality of what life was like. Um, but still um definitely like like a fun, very fun book. But I will. I still have a um you know the the nanny uh A to B A to Z thing. I still have your copy because I ordered two. I'm just oh, gonna get it to you. Yeah, you gotta get it to me. Okay. Then for what character are you? I was like, I'm the Fran. Financial stuff is like for me, it is just the hardest, most unappealing, despicable stuff you have to deal with in life. Like same. Hate it. Same. Crippling. Uh yeah. anyway. Um, oh, we don't really have a, I'm trying to think if there's a, a good listener question. Okay. So I have a listener question brought okay. to us by a listener. Oh. This one comes from the, uh, the already discussed, uh, ever fabulous Molly who mm. wondered, have we ever talked about who we'd cast in the nanny musical, which is a very fascinating question. And then also who fans would cast. So but- Let's, yeah, okay. let's ask people that. What yeah. do people want to see? Who do they want in the nanny musical? Who should play the nanny? The, look, my go-to for all things musical theater is always, always, always Bernadette Peters. But I understand she is not of age any longer <laughs> to play this role. Yes, and we did. Even though we, she could still sing the hell out of it. We did have a uh, episode once that was just like uh, – some listener questions. That's right. And no one listened to it. <laughs> so we're not um, doing it ever again. <laughs> yeah. But um, we did talk about this. Um, and it, it was, I think we more got into who we cast in a nanny reboot on TV. We did. Which oh, I feel more qualified to answer, to be honest, which is why I think it's a great question for the audience because I'm curious at people's uh, depth of musical theater, current musical theater knowledge of who they would want to cast in a nanny musical. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Also, I really want to I really want to get Rachel Bloom to come on our show and talk to us about the nanny musical. You said that so quietly. I know. I really want I, it to happen. Uh, if anyone knows Rachel Bloom, could you ask her to please come on our show? And Fran Drescher, for that matter. Yeah. No, I think the big three that we want right now, Fran, Dorothy Lineman, and then Rachel Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. In that order, honestly. In order of importance to the show, and I think, I think Rachel I would think agree Bernadette, with that. Not Bernadette. I was going to say Bernadette, Bernadette Peters. Peters also. Yes, <laughs> no, I was going to say because I was looking her up when you're talking about. <laughs> it. I, you know, I think that um, Dorothy Lyman is very important to the show. too. I agree. I, yeah, that's why she comes before uh, Rachel Bloom because I think it's Fran, Dorothy, and then Bloom. I mean, Bloom's just doing the musical. I, you know, I, she doesn't get credit for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't even seen the music. What if it's terrible? You know, no, it won't be. No way. Oh my god! But you we're know. flying to Broadway for this, right? Oh, I was literally about to say, like, <laughs> we we've talked about this before. Like, we are a hundred percent going. Like, we will. Like, we we're going to record live in the theater <laughs> on my phone, like yeah. before it starts, so we can come back and be like, everybody, we have seen the first ten minutes of the nanny musical. We then got kicked out, <laughs> but it was fabulous. <laughs> No, no, like that has to be the, oh my God. Ah, yeah, oh my a God. very special episode. That's in fact, that is what we should, all that, all that sweet, sweet cash we're earning for the show. <laughs> uh, we should try to save that up and see if we can make that into enough to pay for that trip, which it yeah. definitely won't be. But at the rate we're going, if, and at the rate that this musical might actually be released, 
we might have enough to pay for like part of a plane ticket, which will still help. Yeah, it'll still help. Um, <laughs> All right. This episode is 17 hours long, so. 17 hours short. <laughs> um, okay, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, have a lovely seven days. Mm-hmm. And also <laughs> seven days, seven <laughs> days. Uh, also, don't forget to check in uh, with us on social media at oh Mr. Chef Pod, Instagram and Twitter. You can answer the question that we just asked there. I think also if I remember to do it on Anchor, I can post it to Spotify. So I'll try to remember to do that. Mm-hmm. No promises. Um, and also – You guys are great, and we love you. Thank you for listening to the show. Goodbye. Goodbye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine.